Welcome back, GPSers, for another week of our GPS podcast. I want to go ahead and jump right in today to our next topic in the series, the next deep dive we're going to do as a part of Genesis 1 and 2. And today's podcast, today's class, is entitled Original Image. As you know, we've been talking about what happens if we take Genesis 1 and 2 really seriously. Uh, And more specifically, what happens if we take Genesis 1 and 2 as the start of the story? How's that going to change how we read the rest of Scripture? How does that change how we view our own lives? And I think today, maybe more than the previous weeks, really has significant implications for how we think about ourselves, how we think about our own life. And the way I wanted to, to begin to introduce this topic of original image is to tell you about one of my favorite movies. It's actually one of my favorite scenes in a movie. It's a movie that came out in 2006 called Blood Diamond. And the story of Blood Diamond, best known character in that movie, Leonardo DiCaprio plays the main character. uh, And he plays this man by the name of Danny Archer. And Danny Archer is this gunrunner, ex-military man of South Africa, and the entire movie takes place in the Sierra Leone Civil War that happened from about 1991 to 2002. And the other main character, other than Leonardo DiCaprio's character, uh, is a character named Solomon Vandy. And Vandy is a local fisherman who gets enslaved by rebel forces, and he ends up in prison. Now, while he was working for the rebel forces, his primary job was to try to find diamonds in the area, and those diamonds would then be sold to help fund war efforts. In an early scene in the movie, he finds this large pink diamond. And while people are distracted, he buries that diamond in a given spot. He's then arrested, and he ends up in prison, and the diamond is there and buried without him. And it's in prison that he meets Leonardo DiCaprio's character, and he tells him about this diamond that he found and was buried. And so DiCaprio's character, Danny Archer, puts those two guys on a mission to get back to the spot where the diamond is buried. Now, there's a third important character in the story that relates to the scene that I want to tell you about. And the third character is Solomon Vandy's son, Dia. Now, Dia is a very young boy in the movie. He's captured by another rebel force group. He is brainwashed and is turned into a child soldier. And through the portion of the movie, you can see how he basically becomes a different person, so much so that he won't even recognize his father. And the scene that I love is a moment where Solomon Vandy and Danny Archer get back to the place where the diamond is buried, and they're digging, and they're digging, and they're digging, and Vandy finds it. And it's this really important scene in the movie because the diamond that he said was there is actually still there. But it's in that same scene where Dia, his son, shows up, Dia, at this point in the movie, does not recognize his father at all and will not acknowledge him as such. He's been so brainwashed. In this very tense scene, 
Dia is holding a gun at these two men, waiting to steal the diamond and kill them. And it's a very tense scene as the father of this son, Solomon Bandy, looks at Dia, who does not at all acknowledge him as his father. He's been so brainwashed into believing something else about himself that he doesn't even recognize or acknowledge his father. And there's this beautiful scene that I won't play for copyright issues, but I will read what he says to him as his son stands there pointing a gun at his father. He says, Dia, what are you doing? Dia, look at me. What are you doing? You are Dia Vandy of the proud Mindy tribe. You are a good boy who loves soccer and school. Your mother loves you so much. She waits by the fire making plantains and red palm oil stew with your sister. And the new baby. The cows wait for you. And Babu, the wild dog, who minds no one but you. I know they made you do bad things, but you are not a bad boy. I'm your father who loves you. And I will come home with me and you will be my son again. I love that last two lines. I know they made you do bad things, but you are not a bad boy. I am your father who loves you, and you will come home with me and be my son again. The reason I love that scene is because it is this powerful moment of identity. And it's this powerful moment when a young boy who was taught this terrible story about himself is transformed by the voice of his dad. And I think it's this powerful metaphor for the situation that I think a lot of people find themselves in. Where when it comes to our identity, we have been told a lot of stories about who we are foundationally. And in some ways, we've been brainwashed to believe things that just aren't true. And what I mean by that is we've been told to believe things that just don't match up with what we learn in Genesis 1 and 2 about our foundational identity. And the thing that Genesis 1 and 2 says about who we are is very, very different than what a lot of us believe about ourselves. Genesis 1, starting in verse 26, tells the story of the sixth day of creation. And this moment in Genesis 1 is a really important moment, and there's a few key indicators in the text that help us see that what's happening on day six is special and unique. There's been this rhythm of God created and God created and God created. But then we get to Genesis 1, 26 through 31. And when humanity is created, in verse 27, there is this cluster of the word create, create, create. That what we read there is this powerful statement. So God created man in his own image, and the image of God he created him 
male and female, he created them. Create, create, create. There's been this steady, slow repetition of create each day, but then here on day six, there is this intensifying of the word create. Another way to think about it, it's kind of like the crescendo of a song. It's the moment when all of the drums are beating and the cymbals are going off and the song is coming to an end. This is a good way to think about Genesis 1, 26-31. It's the climax of creation, and specifically, it orients around the creation of humanity. That humanity gets this special attention in the creation account. That day six reports a bit longer of what happened than all the other days. So there's something significant here that's happening. And finally, one of the indicators that makes this a, a significant moment in the text is that this moment of God speaking had previously been God speaking about creation and it happened. Let there be, let there be, let there be. But here, this is the first time and the only creation that God speaks directly to. Humanity is the only thing that God creates that God addresses directly. And so we know right here on the front end with all of these different factors that what we're reading is really, really significant about humanity. So let's read day six and then we'll zoom in on what we read about you and me. Then God said, Let us make man in our image, in our likeness, and let them rule over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the air, over the livestock, over all the earth, and over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. God blessed them and said to them, Be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the air and over every living creature that moves along the ground. Then God said, I give you every seed-bearing plant on the face of the whole earth and every tree that has fruit with seed in it. They will be yours for food. And to all the beasts of the earth and to all the birds of the air and all the creatures that move on the ground, everything that has the breath of life in it, I give every green plant for food, and it was so. God saw all that he had made, and it was very good. And there was evening and there was morning, the sixth day. Even there at the end in verse 31, and God saw what he had made, and it was very good. Up to this point, it had just been, and God saw that it was good. It was good. It was good. It was good. But then here on the sixth day, it becomes very good. Why? Because on the sixth day, God creates you and me. Now, there's two big ways to think about how we read ourselves in the story. What God says about us and what God says to us. Because God says some things about humanity that are really important. And then God says some things to humanity that are very important. And for this podcast, for this particular class, we just focused on that first half, what God says about humanity. And the very first thing that God says about you and me happens in verse 26, and we should not skip over it quickly. And God 
said, Let us make man in our image, in our likeness. This is the way it reads in the message. God spoke. Let us make human beings in our image, making them reflecting our nature. The first thing that is said about you and me, the first thing that's said about humanity is this. You and I are created in the image and likeness of God. You and I are created in the image and likeness of God. The very first thing that is said about you and me is that we are created in the image of God. And to go back to our earlier movie clip, a lot of us were told something very different about our foundational and basic identity. I would say most of us started with Genesis 3. Most of us started with this foundation of being cracked, of being messed up, of being a failure. And that became our foundational story. And yet that's just not the way the Bible begins. The Bible begins with Genesis 1 and 2. And the first thing it says about you and me is that we are created in the image of God. Now, the thing that we did in class was is we ended up just camping out on this statement. You are created in the image and likeness of God. You are created in the image and likeness of God. And the reason why we just camped out on that phrase is because I think it's one of those statements that a lot of us have trouble believing A lot of us were never taught that. And we have to let our roots sink deep into the truth of that phrase. That we have to allow ourselves to let that statement be true about us. You know, foundation work is always difficult. If your house has a foundation in it, hopefully it does. If your house has a crack in the foundation and you have to repair that crack, it takes a lot of work to get down to the foundation of a house, to get down there to do the work that needs to be done. And if it's that difficult for a house, then how much more for our hearts and our minds and our imaginations? That for a lot of us, we need to embrace this truth, this first thing, this foundational thing. And to do so requires some work. It requires doing some excavating. Some deep work to get to the bottom of our identity. I think of a few years ago at one of our GPS retreats, and I remember we had a young dad there who just a few weeks before had been in a class that we call Faith at Home. And the topic of that class was to teach parents to bless their children, to say a blessing over them every night. And as we were reflecting on the retreat and things that people had learned, this young dad with tears in his eyes began talking about how what he realized that weekend was that he cannot give a blessing to his children 
that he has not first accepted for himself. And I thought that was such a beautiful reminder of how faith works and how identity works and how Christianity works. That we have to be willing to receive the blessing of God, that we have to be willing to receive ourselves this identity from God before we can speak that into others and treat others with that truth. And that takes some time. It takes some work. It, for a lot of us, could become a kind of mantra that we return to over and over and over again. I am created in the image and likeness of God. I am created in the image and likeness of God. And hopefully over time, we will begin to realize the truth of Genesis 1 and 2 in our own lives. And I can speak from example in my own life. This has not been an easy change. There's a lot of tapes that play. There's a lot of voices that shape you. There's a lot of people who have said things about you and to you, parents, maybe friends, and different authority figures throughout the years. And and those can plant deep in your heart about how you think about yourself. And so my hope is that Genesis 1 and 2 will, will kind of be this moment, like the movie moment we talked about earlier, where we will let the voice of our father, the voice of our parent, speak to us the truth about who we are. You are created in the image and likeness of God. That is the foundation upon which everything else is built. One of the things that was said in class today that I really appreciated was by someone who talked about the differences between actions and identity. And she talked about how so often we can collapse our actions into becoming our identity, but there's a big difference, she said, between us doing something wrong and us fundamentally being wrong, between us making a mistake and us fundamentally having the identity that we're a mistake. Those are two very different things. And it was a good reminder that our identity comes first, and then we can talk about everything else after that. And for us, for this first class on original image, I just want us to sink into that truth. I just want us to sit in it, to rest in it, and allow it to be true for us. That you and I have the image and likeness of God. Or to use another picture that's been really helpful to me, you and I have a divine spark within us. All of humanity, every man, woman, and child has a divine spark within them. Years ago, I visited with a spiritual mentor for a while And we talked through a lot of things, and there was one season where I was talking through some things with her, and she reminded me of that truth of having that divine spark within. And as I shared with her about some things that were going on, she she 
paused and listened, and after I had spoken for a while, she said, Wilson, I think you need to spend some time tending the flame. And that's a phrase that I've come back to a lot, that that I am called to tend the flame, to keep tending the divine spark within myself. And you know, much like when you're out at a campsite, you're trying to light a match to get a fire going. To do so, you kind of have to hold a hand up so that the wind won't blow out the flame. And I think that image is a helpful one when I use this expression, we need to tend the flame, that there are these times in our life where we just need to protect the divine spark within us so that it can flame up, so that it can glow and burn brightly. And then we can shine that on to others. Then we can more easily acknowledge it in others. But I don't think we can acknowledge something in others that we don't acknowledge in ourselves. So I want to end there this week with that challenge, that encouragement to just let this identity statement, you are created in the image and likeness of God, to be your foundational identity statement. Next week, we're going to talk a little bit more about what that means to be created in the image of God. What does it mean exactly to have this divine spark flickering within each and every one of us? And so I hope you'll come back next week as we continue this conversation, original, and we think next week about what does it mean to be created in the image of God. Y'all have a great week, and we will see you next Monday.